Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everyone. This is Catfish on Ice, episode 160, with your host, Chad Minton, presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. On this holiday week, we've got Thanksgiving is coming up in just a couple days. We hope you're having an awesome week with your family and friends getting ready for Thanksgiving. The Predators, they just beat the Arizona Coyotes on Monday night by a shootout score winning 4-3 to three in the game, and they have continued to trend back in the right direction. So in episode 160 tonight of Catfish on Ice, we are going to recap that win. It was not an easy win. It was not what you would call a pretty win by any means, but we'll take it. We will take the two points if you're the Nashville Predators right now because nothing has come pretty this season. But all that matters is you get the two points in the standings and you keep Moving forward, is everyone pulling the rope right now? I'm starting to feel like everyone on this team is pulling the rope in the right direction. So, going to recap that game that just happened last night and talk about how it happened, who stood out, everything about that crazy game. Since we've got Thanksgiving coming up in just a couple days, I've got a segment coming up for you. Who is invited to my Thanksgiving dinner from the Nashville Predators? Who's playing really great this year? Who's doing some special things for this team? Those are the players that are going to be invited to my Thanksgiving dinner. I will unveil that list for you later in this episode. Also, got some Preds transaction news for you. Zach Sanford is going to waivers by the Predators. A little bit of a slightly surprising decision by the Predators. Not, I cannot honestly say that I saw this coming. But I will talk about the ramifications of this decision by the Predators to put him on waivers. Do I think he will clear? What does that mean for the rest of the lineup? Does it pave the way for eventually for Philip Tomasino to get called back up? Does that mean more playing time for Ellie Tolvanen? Does it just mean simply that Mark Borowiecki is getting ready to come back on the roster and they need room for him? Going to talk about that. Also. Just brought up Ellie Tolvanen. What is going on with Ellie Tolvanen? I have been hinting at this for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and I will bring it back up. What is going on with Ellie Tolvanen? Is he eventually going to be a trade piece by the National Predators? Because he's not playing a lot, and when he does play, he's not playing meaningful minutes. I don't know what's going on with him, but the Predators got to figure out what, what's going to happen here because – I still feel like he has moderate trade value. Not great, but moderate trade value. And if you're not going to use the guy, then you got to figure out your long-term plan for him. Go find a trade partner who is willing to take him on as a project because his ceiling is still relatively high. See what you can get out of him. I got to think maybe behind closed doors that's already happening. 
Going to touch on that, and then we'll look at the upcoming schedule that the Predators have in store for them. That's what's in store for you on Catfish on Ice, episode 160, presented by DraftKings with our promo code THPN right at the bottom of the screen there. If you're watching any of our live YouTube content right now, then go do that. We are going to open up episode 160. This is your host, Chad Minton, by recapping the Preds as they take out the Arizona Coyotes by a 4-3 final score via the shootout. I got to say, wasn't a pretty game, wasn't a glamorous game, but it still counts as two points in the standings. That's what matters most. This game from start to finish was very much a game that I just felt like the Predators were a little bit sleepwalking. Even though they did score an early goal to get that lead, it still felt like a game that the Predators just weren't really ready to play. Luckily, they were playing the Arizona Coyotes. So you get a little bit of of a cushion, a little bit of leeway when you're playing a team like the Coyotes where maybe you don't have to be on your A game and you can still sneak out with the win. But I got to say, it didn't look great early on. It really didn't. Predators did get the early goal, thanks to Phil, uh, thanks to Mikel Granlund, I should say, on the power play. The Coyotes were parading to the penalty box. We know how that feels as Predators fans. The Coyotes were gifting the Predators with power plays, weren't playing smart. That's who they are. They're the Coyotes. They commit a lot of penalties. They are a very young and inexperienced team. They don't have a lot of depth. They've actually played a lot better than a lot of people thought they would. Their 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 floor was very low and their ceiling was very low, but they've actually managed to win some games this year and they're still in last place like everyone expected them to be, but they're a very um, gritty team that doesn't lay down and we kind of saw that in this game even though the Predators did get the win. But Mikel Granlin finally does strike on the power play 7 minutes into the game. Predators notch a power play goal, assist from Philip Forsberg and Roman Yossi. And so the Predators had a lead. But I got to say, after that goal, it, this game really puts you to sleep. It was a game where the, the Predators were not generating a lot of offense. The Coyotes were doing what they do, which is they muck things up and they just want to keep it close, which is what they did a very good job of. And let me go ahead and plug Connor Ingram in all of this. When, he, when the Predators did get their really good chances, Connor Ingram was outstanding. I mean, he was a really, really solid goaltender. And, you know, his time with the Coyotes has started off very, very rocky, as you would expect. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of help playing for the Coyotes. He's in a really difficult situation. He's trying to build his own NHL career right now. And he's going up against the team that, decided not to bring him back over this past offseason, which came out of nowhere and was unexpected. A lot of people thought for sure that Connor Ingram would be back with the Predators, that they would re-sign him. No one really saw the Kevin Lankinen signing coming over the offseason. They thought that the easy decision was, let's keep propping Connor Ingram up as the backup of UC Soros. It did not happen that way. The front office didn't see that way. 
and Connor Ingram hit waivers, and the Arizona Coyotes were the team that took him. I thought it was a great landing spot for him to land with the team that's going to give him reps, that's going to give him starts. And what do you know? Connor Ingram was awesome against his former team. Ends up making 42 saves in this game and ends up boasting a very, very impressive 2.44 goal saved above expected according to moneypuck.com. That is a massive number for people who don't really look at those numbers and they don't really look at the analytics and the things like that. Two, it basically means that Connor Ingram saved over an extra two goals in this game. Easily the Predators could have put up five or six goals in this game if not for Connor Ingram and his really clutch goaltending in this game against his former team. He really saw the puck well. The Predators were finding opportunities, and really you saw it in the second into the third period. So when the Coyotes actually took the lead in this game by a two-to-one score, the Predators had let, had a 26% chance to win this game, according to Money Puck, at that point. A 26% chance. All the momentum went to the Coyotes after that uh, leading goal that put the Coyotes up 2-1. to one. It was not looking good. Like I said, the, the Predators were putting us to sleep here. They weren't really putting out a lot of impressive offensive generation, which we've seen that a lot. Even though the Predators have been winning lately, They've been figuring out ways to get points lately. They figured out a way to, to get a point against the uh, Lightning, even though they were drastically outplayed for most of that game. They snuck out with a point. Um, and those games against the Islanders and the Rangers and the Wild, they, were, they really had to crawl their way to victory in those games. And they their offense a lot of times fell asleep, and they had to rest on UC Soros carrying them to the finish line. In this game, it was a little bit different. UC Soros was not really tested. He only faced 27 shots. He made a couple really good saves, but he really wasn't tested that much. This game was more about just the Coyotes wanted to play it a certain way. They were very effective at it at first in the sense that they got this game to a shootout. So kudos to the Coyotes for doing that because on paper, the Predators are a drastically better team. They, they are, but the Coyotes executed their game plan really well. They were opportunistic when they did get their chances, which were very few and far between. They didn't really test UC Soros all that much, and they still managed to score three goals in this game. So th they took advantage of the opportunities when they got them. But when you're looking back at the Predators, they had to really turn this game on and flip a switch in the third period. And that's exactly what the Predators did. They turned this game into a chance where they, they just flipped the game on its head and they finally took control. And it ended up going overtime. This was when the Connor Ingram show really took off, though, because the Predators had plenty of chances to end this in regulation. But Connor Ingram was stellar. He was so clutch. And pushing the Coyotes to overtime. If you look, let's go to natural stat trick here and some of the numbers from them. If you look at the high danger chances in all situations, the Predators had 22 high danger chances. The Arizona Coyotes only had nine. If you look at that third period, 
the Predators put up seven high danger chances in that third period. The Coyotes only put up three. In the overtime period, the Predators put up another two high danger chances, and the Coyotes didn't manage any. So the Predators in the third period and into overtime had plenty of chances to get that goal and avoid having to go to a shootout to begin with. And Connor Ingram was just outstanding and was so great. And I was happy for Connor Ingram. As much as I was pulling for the Predators, was very happy for Connor Ingram putting out such a great game. I think the Coyotes got to look at a game like that and think, we got something here. They're rotating their goaltenders right now. Connor Ingram is not their primary starter yet, but he's he like I said, he's in a good spot here to eventually get some looks from other teams or get some more starts with the Arizona Coyotes. Either way, I think a game like this really boosts the national attention around him. We know he has it in him. He did it in the against the Avalanche in the first round last year. Uh, taking the Predators in that game two to that epic overtime battle, and he just couldn't get any goal support. So we know he has it in him, and he did that against the Predators. So I am happy for Ingram, even though it was at the expense of the Predators for much of this game. But, yeah, if you look at it here, look at some of these other numbers from Natural Stat Trick. The Predators put up almost a 62 Corsi percentage, which is really, really solid. The Coyotes were way down at 38% Corsi percentage judging on possession, effective possession ratings and all that. The Predators dominated puck possession in this game for sure. And then score total scoring chances for the Predators had 46. The Coyotes only had 26. So this is a game that the Predators should have probably taken care of in regulation. Didn't even have to go to a shootout. But again, Connor Ingram was the difference maker there, and that's why this had to go to a shootout. And if you're looking at money puck here, the deserved to win meter the Predators were a 79% deserved to win over the Coyotes, which were a 21%. So all the analytics are saying the Predators should have probably won this game in regulation, but Connor Ingram was the difference maker. And the Coyotes get a point. We go to the shootout. It was a crazy shootout that went seven rounds, which – if I remember correctly, I can't remember who shared it, but someone shared that there's only been like two or three other instances in Preds history where the Predators had to go seven rounds in the shootout. So very uh, very rare territory to see a shootout go seven rounds. You saw Matthew Shane, who has proven to be very, very effective on a shootout situation. He got a goal in the shootout to get things going. Ryan Johansson pulls out his patented classic slow-mo goal that got shared around social media. Uh, he does this thing where he just knows how to – because, you know, the rule of the shootout is you have to keep moving forward. You can't impede your progress. Otherwise, the play is ruled dead. Johansson has perfected the art of skating towards the goaltender Still moving forward, but moving in slow motion, literally in slow motion, waiting for the goaltender to bite, and then eventually he makes his move. He did that on Connor Ingram, and he beats him. And then eventually it was Cody Glass who got the game-winning shootout goal for the Predators to get the point. That's how this game wraps up. It was a very fun game to watch, even though at some points in this game it was a little bit... Um, nerve-wracking and definitely what 
lulled you to sleep a little bit. But I will say, overall, it was a pretty good game. Yossi gets a goal and assist in the game. Let's talk about Roman Yossi for a second. This guy, I'm going to talk about him a little bit later as well. Roman Yossi is quietly, like no one's really talking about it, but Roman Yossi is, because he started off so slow in this season when it comes to putting points and getting assists and goals, he started off really slow on this season, as did this entire team, quite frankly. But Roman Yossi is very, very close to the exact point pace he was at last season when he nearly hit 100 points as a defenseman. So don't sleep on Roman Yossi here at all. He's once again showing that he is the stoic leader of this team. He wears the captain patch so elegantly and so perfectly. He goes out and does his job. He gets a goal and assist in this game. Hits the post a couple times. His one goal he does end up scoring was just a laser that we know he knows how to do. He had another shot where it hit the post. He was all over the puck trying to score tonight. He could have easily had another goal or two in this game, but he ends up with a two-point night. Mikel Granlund, of course, got the scoring started on the power play, gets a goal and an assist. Duchesne gets a goal in the game and then also gets a shootout goal. The goal he scored was a really, really gorgeous assist from Colton Sissons. And then, of course, Cody Glass gets the game-winning shootout goal. Soros only has to make 24 saves in this game to push the Predators to victory. So wasn't tested a lot, which is nice to say because usually it's the opposite for Soros. So overall, you'll take the two points. I am not getting greedy about this Predators team right now. I will take points however we can get them against whoever we're up against. We are long past the time where we can be selective about how we get points and say, oh, that game should have been way easier. Why did it, Why was it so hard to get two points? I don't care. We need points right now to stay relevant in this log jam of a central division that we find ourselves in. And if you look at the standings right now, it's still very early. I get all that. But if you look at the division right now, the Predators are tied with the St. Louis Blues with 20 points. They are three points from being in that top three that you want to be in. My benchmark that I had for this team going into the season was finish in the top three, stay out of that wild card discussion. And who knows, maybe, just maybe, you can host a playoff game. That still seems uh have home, home ice advantage in the first round. That seems all, probably not going to happen considering – how great and unstoppable the Dallas Stars look right now. And we all know that the Colorado Avalanche, both those teams played last night to a really epic battle that also went to a shootout that the Avalanche ended up winning eventually. But those two teams are by far the top two teams in the division. I don't think it's even close. Put them on a on a level by themselves. But third place might still be very attainable for this Preds team. And they are three points right now behind the Winnipeg Jets. The St. Louis Blues have won seven games in a row, by the way, after uh, losing eight in a row. So look at the Blues right now. They they opened the season 3-0. Then they lose eight in a row. Now they've won seven in a row. So who the hell knows who this St. Louis Blues team is right now? But they are technically ahead of the Predators right now because they played one less game, but they're tied in points. Minnesota Wild are two points behind. And then you got the Blackhawks and the Coyotes 
rounded it out, which was pretty expected. So that's what you got in the Central Division. So like I said, if I'm the Predators, keep finding ways to get points. That's all I really care about. So again, the Preds beat the Coyotes in the shootout by a 4-3 to three score. They are figuring out way to get ways to get points. They have a very, very successful five-game homestand where they beat the Rangers, they beat the Wild, they beat the Islanders, they lose in an overtime matchup with the Lightning. Nothing to really hang your head on there. And if anything, I was just very, very happy they got a point in that game. And then they figure out a way to get the two points against the Coyotes. So they go 4-0-1. They go 4-0-1 in the five-game homestand. We will talk a little bit later to round out this episode 160 about the upcoming schedule. I want to shift to some Thanksgiving stuff here. So Thanksgiving is just a couple days away. We hope that you're having a great holiday week. Maybe you're getting some time off from work and you're getting to spend some time with your friends and family. You're going to eat some good food, catch up with family, maybe watch a little football on Thursday, catch the NFL action, all the awesome Thanksgiving traditions that everyone has with their families. I truly, truly hope that you get to spend time quality time with your friends and family during this Thanksgiving holiday week. So I am going to give you my list of five Preds players that I am inviting to my Thanksgiving dinner based on how they're having a really, really good season. And I am thankful for them in this Thanksgiving spirit here. My first player on my guest list to Thanksgiving dinner is Yuso Parsonen, and he better be on everyone's guest list if you're a Preds fan right now. Because I talked about it in episode 159 with my co-hosts, Kyle Perkins and Rich Howe, in the last episode, which you should go check out um, after you listen to this episode. Go listen to episode 159 because we dived more into this and my thoughts on Yuso Parsonen and how he, the ripple effect that he puts on this Preds lineup right now. He is a big deal, and he should be up here to stay. This should not be some experiment thing that you see NHL coaches do sometimes. Sometimes NHL coaches like to call up a young prospect for two or three games just to see how that prospect um, reacts to being on the NHL level. Let's put a shock into their system. Let's see how they look. Let's get some tape on them, and then eventually we'll probably send them back down to the uh, to the AHL, to the Milwaukee Admirals. Kind of saw that with Jordan Gross, who showed some good things, but eventually they called him back down. Um, so when it comes to Yuso Parsonen, he should be up here to stay. He really should. I can't see any scenario where it's in your plans to call him back down to Milwaukee this season. I mean, he would have to really give us a horrible like long 10-game, 15-game stretch where he just looks really, really bad for for you to justify taking him out of this lineup at this point. He should be up here to stay. His skating is so confident. He skates with confidence. He, he skates well beyond his only having five games of NHL experience. He looks like he is in his second full season in the NHL the way he's playing. He's a big-bodied guy, so he fits the Preds lineup perfectly in the way they play. He's confident, like I said, and he's a center. And you centers don't grow on trees, especially in Nashville. We know that. 
So I love what he does for the rest of this lineup. He's playing a top six center role right now, everybody. A top six center role. He just set a career high. I know his career is very early, but he just set a career high in time on ice. He put up over 18 minutes of ice time against the Coyotes. And I know he didn't score any points in this game. It's not always about how you score. It's about how did you impact the game for your line mates. And he has really made this top six hole again. With him in there, that sixth and final piece is figured out. And going into the season, we were trying to figure out who was going to be that sixth and final piece of the top six. We knew who the other five players were. That was never really in question. We knew Forsberg, Granlin, Duchesne, Niederreiter, and Johansson would be up there. Who was going to be that sixth player? Was it going to be Ellie Tolvanen? Well, that seemed like the most likely scenario. We also, we were throwing all kinds of players out there. Philip Tomasino was the popular choice. Was let's Philip Tomasino is ready for the top six. Well, we got a monkey wrench in there because Philip Tomasino ended up going down to the Milwaukee Admirals. So, Yuso Parsonen being in this top six as a center playing with Phil Forsberg is a really, really insane development. In a, that's in a good way. I mean that in a good way. So, moving Granlin to the wing, I like what Granlin's – I like how he's responding to that. Granlin looks like a different player. I mean, we know he can distribute the puck. We know he's a great assist man. But he is out there showing us some really great offense – as a winger right now. So, Yuso Parson is invited to my Thanksgiving dinner because he has given the Predators a fighting chance here to right the ship when they looked really bad when they called him up. Let's look at this. So, Parsonen makes his NHL debut against the New York Rangers. Leading up to that, the Predators had lost 5-3 to to the Avalanche, 5-1 to in that nightmare of a game against the Seattle Kraken. They had to come back in dramatic fashion to beat a really, really terrible Vancouver Canucks team. They did beat the Calgary Flames 4-1, to which up to that point was their only impressive win of the season. They got boat raced by the Edmonton Oilers. They got shut out 3-0 by the Washington Capitals. They were a mess. The Predators were a mess. And we were literally bringing up thoughts about, will John Hines make it through the season? We talked about that on this podcast. Yusuf Parson gets called up, and look at what has happened. I'm not saying it's all because of Yusuf Parson, but just look at it. Since Yusuf Parson has been called up, the Predators have beaten the Rangers 2-1. to one. I will call that a very impressive win. They beat the Minnesota Wild, a division rival that you're going to be battling for points with in the standings when it's all said and done. They beat them 2-1. to one. They beat the Islanders, who have been a surprise team this year. They beat them 5-4. to four. They, go, they, they go toe-to-toe with the Lightning. I know they didn't play a great game, but they went toe-to-toe with them, and they end up getting an overtime point against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And then this last game we just talked about, they beat the Arizona Coyotes by a 4-3 to three final score. So Yuso Parson is making a huge positive ripple effect on this Predators team. He's up here to stay. He needs to be in the top six. He is easily my top guest to my Thanksgiving dinner. He can have all the turkey he wants. He can steal my seconds and 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 everything. He is my top guest on my Thanksgiving guest list for sure. My next uh my next guest here on my Thanksgiving guest list has to be UC Soros. 
And I know that's an easy choice and and whatnot, but I think what people don't realize about UC Soros is even when he has really bad games in the box score, there are constant instances in his bad games where you find these incredibly difficult saves that he makes where the Predators might come out losing badly in these games, but it could have been so much worse. And Soros is starting to finally round out into form here. He's starting to get back, climb back up the goalie ranks and get back to the territory that he is supposed to be in. And we know he's capable of being in. He, he wasn't tested a lot against the Coyotes, but leading up to that stretch, he was really, really great against the Lightning. Made 36 saves on 39 shots for a .923 save percentage. And then he had the Islanders game was a little bit of a wacky game. Wasn't his best in that game, I will say. But he had back-to-back games before that where he gave up just one goal and made 66 saves on 68 shots faced against the Minnesota Wild and the New York Rangers. So he is rounding out into form. The Predators are only going to go so far unless UC Soros is playing up to his elite level that we know he's capable of being at. If he is anything less than that, I mean, good luck even making the playoffs if you're the Predators. That's just the way it is. That's just they. The Predators are not that type of team where they can get by with average, mediocre goaltending. They cannot do it. It's just not them. That that I don't think they can survive with that type of goaltending. They need UC Soros to be an elite top three, top four style goaltender, and he's thankfully starting to trend back into that territory. And that's why Soros is coming to my Thanksgiving dinner because I got to keep him happy because if Soros ain't happy, then uh, this team's in a lot of trouble. So UC Soros, absolutely. Even despite some of his struggles this year and he hasn't been his complete self all the time, he's rounding out into form. He's coming to my Thanksgiving dinner. My next player that's coming to my Thanksgiving dinner has to be Roman Yossi. I would never show any disrespect towards the captain. The captain's coming to my Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, I know it. He was a shell of himself to open the season. This entire team looked like garbage to open the season, and he was not exempt from that, unfortunately. He did not look great. He was very – he was invisible a lot of times, which is so odd to say about Roman Yossi. But it all comes back around. Everything's going to regress back to reality here. And the reality is that Roman Yossi is one of the best uh, defensemen, if not the best defenseman in our game right now. He is. Definitely offensively speaking, he is the most dynamic defenseman this generation has seen in a long time. And he is starting to pick it back up. And quietly, as we said, they mentioned it on the – Preds local broadcast on Valley Sports. I think uh, Chris Mason first brought it up. Roman Yossi is getting back to the same similar pace that he was at last year. And no one's really talking about him on a national level. And that's okay. I get it. But he is slowly getting back into his normal Norris Trophy form. So just look at how Roman Yossi opened this season. He had one point through the one point through the first seven games of this season. 
one point. That is unheard of for Roman Yossi. He was he was just quiet, and a lot of it had to do with just really, really bad puck luck. I mean, I remember tracking his numbers through that seven-game stretch and thinking, how is it possible that Roman Yossi has been held to one point through the first seven games? And it was all over moneypuck.com if you looked it up. He was basically considered the most unlucky player in the entire NHL when he looked at expected goals for and what he actually had scored. When he looked at all of the qualities, quality of his shots that he was taking and how uh, it was just a product of really great goaltending or just block shots or whatever you want to call it, he was getting his opportunities and the puck just wasn't finding the back of the net. Well, eventually all that stuff is going to regress back to reality and that's what you're seeing now. Because since then, Roman Yossi had four assists against the Islanders. He had two-point night against the Arizona Coyotes. And he has had points in five of his last six games. So he's getting back to his normal pace that we all know him for. So I would be a fool to not welcome with open arms Roman Yossi to my Thanksgiving dinner. My next player has not played much this season. But, it's, but you know what? He is the glue of this locker room. He is probably one of the best role models in hockey of any team you could pick out. If you want to pick a role model for a young, uh, aspiring hockey uh, athlete out there, then I'm pointing you to one one player first and foremost, and that is Mark Borowiecki. He has missed a lot of time this year due to that really scary spill into the boards that he had um, that – where he had to be stretchered off the ice. He wasn't even allowed to move for a while because they were out of abundance of caution. He is the glue of this locker room. I know he's never, he's not the type of player that's going to put up the flashy stats, but he is the glue of this locker room. And hopefully he's getting close to coming back. We'll have to see what the roster is looking like. There's not a lot of news out there right now on his progress. But, you know, if I could get in that locker room and get an answer right now, I would ask, like, do we think he's getting close? Um, I would have to think he is, but at the same time, is there room for him on this roster? I absolutely think there is because you've got Jeremy Lazan, who is – I don't know if he's an everyday defenseman right now. So if if Mark Borowiecki is fully healthy and ready to go and it's it, the doctors clear him to play, then you definitely – I would like to see him back in, in – in, into the lineup and getting some starts here and there. So he is coming to my Thanksgiving dinner because he is just the ultimate role model and he's the glue of this team. He's the glue of this locker room. Such a great person. He's been through so much uh, personally, but he is the ultimate Iron Man. And I'm hoping to see him back on the Preds lineup very, very soon. So he's coming to my Thanksgiving dinner. And then I'm going to round out this five five-player guest list to Thanksgiving with Mikel Granlin. I just call him Mr. Consistency. I've always called Mikel Granlin Mr. Consistency. He just shows up. He does his job. He doesn't get a ton of fanfare, uh, but he does everything. Everyone thinks he's just this flashy player that uh, skates kind of pretty and all this stuff. No, he hits. He plays on the penalty kill. He puts out a lot of minutes on the ice for a forward. So much time on ice. He is – I still can't get over the fact that the Predators nearly lost this guy in two consecutive off-seasons. And no one else around the league bid on him, and he eventually came back to the Preds. Where would this Preds team be right now if they didn't have Mikel Granlund in this lineup? 
they would be a, they they wouldn't be where they're at. I don't think they'd be a playoff team. I think he's that important to this team, and he's he's third on the he's tied for third on the team in points right now with 15 points. He's very close to being a point per game player. No one talks about him that much, but he is a, a very important solidifier of this team's top six. So he's he's got to come he's got to come to my Thanksgiving dinner for sure. So that is my Thanksgiving guest list, everybody. Just to give you a recap, here's who's coming to my Thanksgiving guest list. I can only invite five players. There's only so much room at the table, so I pick five. It's going to be UC, Uso Parsonen, UC Soros, Roman Yossi, Mark Borowiecki, and Mikel Granlin. They're coming to my Thanksgiving dinner. They're on my guest list. Let's move along here. This is episode 160 of Catfish on Ice presented by DraftKings. Let me go ahead and tell you about our sponsor, DraftKings. We got a really awesome NHL offer for all of our new users right now. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. So, all you got to do, if you're new to this, money line means you're picking straight up who you think is going to win. It's that simple. You don't got to worry about spreads, over and unders, all this complicated stuff. If you're new to sports betting and you want to get in on it, money line is you're literally picking the winner or the loser. And DraftKings is giving you great odds right now because all you got to do is throw down $5 and you're getting $150 of free bets if that team wins. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. It's that simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see our episode notes below for details. If you need gambling help, we have phone numbers to call. Ways to get support on that if you need gambling help. DraftKings, promo code THPN. All right, let's move along here on episode 160. And let's talk about so a little bit of transaction news that the Predators dropped down on us. A little bit of a surprising note, if you ask me. That's Zach Sanford. He hits waivers. Goes to waivers according to multiple sources out there, including Elliot Friedman, Cat Friendly, Puck, Puckpedia. They're all on it. Zach Sanford is going to hit the waiver wire. My biggest question is, for one, do we think he'll clear? I personally am slightly leaning towards I don't think he'll clear waivers. He has enough of an NHL pedigree to him to where someone out there is going to pick him up, scoop him up, for um, just for the sake of picking up some veteran depth. There's plenty of teams out there, whether it's because they're dealing with a lot of injuries, maybe they just need somebody to come in there. Uh, it's an easy pickup. So I don't, I can't see Zach Sanford clearing waivers. I think his time in a Predators uniform is very, very short-lived. He only played eight games. I thought he was going to have a much bigger impact on this team. I'll go ahead and admit it right now. I was completely... Uh, wrong on Zach Sanford when it comes to thinking he was going to make a bigger impact for this team. So I'll eat some crow on that. But I think he will not clear waivers. If he does somehow clear waivers, 
then I guess he goes down to Milwaukee. I don't know. That's that that would seem like a weird landing spot for him because he's kind of a tweener. He's kind of a the player where he does have NHL qualities to him, but he's also getting later in his career. Where do you put him? So we'll see. I don't think he clears waivers personally. How does this affect the rest of the Predators lineup? Is a question that we have to ask ourselves here. How does this affect Ellie Tolvanen? First of all, does that mean Ellie Tolvanen is going to get more ice time and well, not really so much more ice time, but more games? Because when you look at Ellie Tolvanen right now, he is um, it's just a big question mark right now. Like no one can figure out what the long term plan is for Ellie Tolvanen. My, my speculation has been, and I've held constant on this since before the season started. I think he's eventually going to be a trade piece, and it could happen as soon as this season. And you got to strike while the iron's hot if there's still teams out there who would be interested in a 23-year-old player who still has somewhat of a high ceiling. That's what I'm looking at here. Because if you can't find ways to get him games, then what are we doing here? He's played in 13 games this season. So, I mean, he's only averaging 12.49 of ice time which is his lowest since his rookie year when he played just three games. So he is not getting much ice time. He's not making an impact on this lineup hardly at all. He's only got 19 shots on goal through his 13 games. He's playing very meaningless ice time as it is. He's not playing with line mates that are really going to bring out the best of his offensive skill set. And he's managed to score just two goals and two assists on the season. So – I don't really understand what's going on here. I'll be interested to see who ends up getting more games started thanks to Zach Sanford now being out of the picture. Um, Well, you know, like, does that mean that is this kind of paving the way eventually for Philip Tomasino to come back up here? Or does that just mean that you're going to see more Ellie Tolvanen? That's kind of what I'm looking at here because it looks like Cole Smith is not going anywhere. The team loves. Cole Smith being in this lineup constantly. So I, I don't really see that changing much. So he expect him to stick around. Mark Jankowski should eventually come back. He hasn't played. He missed the last game against the Coyotes. Hasn't played since the game against the Islanders. So Jankowski has missed the last two games. You would expect Jankowski to definitely eventually get back in the lineup when he's healthy because he's played very, very well. So you know, you got to think that he's getting close to coming back, hopefully. And so there's your lineup right there. There's your bottom six. If you keep Cole Smith in like I expect him to, Michael McCarron's not going anywhere. The team loves him. And then you've got Mark Jankowski in there. Then that's really all that happens. It doesn't necessarily pave the way for Philip Tomasino. It's not a direct correlation on that. But um, it could be just clearing roster space because Mark Borowiecki's ready to go. There's a lot of different factors in that. But the fact that they gave up on Zach Sanford so quick like this, only played eight games for the team after taking a flyer out on him over the offseason, I thought he would have stuck around a lot more and had a much bigger impact on this team than he did. And like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, willingly admit that I was wrong on that. Um, he took a really just inexcusable late penalty against the Coyotes that thankfully did not cost the team the game. We're talking about a 3-3 score, and Sanford had just taken a really, you know, legal hit, but he was frustrated from taking this hit and just takes an interference call for no reason. Comes up behind the guy and just shoves him. 
nowhere near the play, nowhere near the puck action, takes a shove, clearly out of frustration, lost his cool, and the Preds had to kill a really, really difficult penalty just to get this game to overtime. Could you imagine if the Predators would have lost that game directly because of that penalty by giving up the power play goal and came out of this game against the Coyotes with zero points? I mean, I think that – I'm not saying that's completely why they put him on waivers, but it definitely did not help Zach Sanford's cause to stick around on this team by the way he handled that situation and had that ridiculous penalty that could have cost the team two points. So Zach Sanford's on waivers. We'll have to wait and see if he ends up getting claimed or not. I think he will. I think there's a team out there who will who he'll take him and be okay with it. All right, real quick before we wrap up episode 160 of Catfish on Ice with your host Chad Minton here as we're rolling through a bunch of different things here tonight as the Predators are now over 500 for the first time since they came over to North America uh, from that global series where they started off the season 2-0 and by beating the Sharks. And then they got roasted two games in a row by the Stars. They haven't been the same since, but they're back over 500 now. So we'll, we'll have to see. Is this team just mediocre or average, or are they actually about to really turn it up a notch and get back into the top three conversation up there with teams like the Jets, the Avs, and the Stars? And I think the Blues are going to stick around too. So let's look at the upcoming schedule here and what's going on. Up next, the Predators head out for just one quick road game against the Detroit Red Wings. Detroit Red Wings are a team that is on the up and up. We've seen them coming for a while now. They've gone through that really long and arduous rebuild, and they are playing good hockey right now. They're 9-5-4 on the season, 22 points, just one point from being behind Tampa and being in the top three in the Atlantic Division. They're a good team. It's going to be a tough test for the Predators. This is a game that I think – the Predators will get beat if they do not bring their A game, for sure. I, I The Detroit Red Wings could easily take them out and win in convincing fashion if the Predators don't play their A game. Then they got to come home and play the Colorado Avalanche, so a really tough two-game stretch coming up here. Then they get the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Anaheim Ducks at home. Then they go and play that team from New Jersey called the New Jersey Devils who have won 13 games in a row. So you're sizing up these next five games. Predators are going to have a tough time with some of these games. they got to play really good. Columbus, of course, we remember how the Predators blew that lead in Columbus. Let's get some revenge in that game at home and beat a Columbus Blue Jackets team that is very, very mediocre. you got to go out and get some revenge there and get two points in that game. Anaheim Anaheim Ducks are probably the worst team in the league, I would say. I think they're – significantly worse than even the Arizona Coyotes. So you better get two points there. But this is a really tough five-game stretch here that the Predators are about to go on, and it's going to test them. We're about to see even more as this season takes shape and gets further into November here. Just how legit are the Predators? We still don't know completely right now just who this Predators team is. We just... We don't know. They could be really, really bad. They could end up surprising all of us and being who we thought they were before the season started. So that is Catfish on Ice, episode 160 with your host, Chad Minton, presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. I really appreciate everyone listening tonight. 
We will see you after Thanksgiving break, holiday break, for a new episode. I'll have Kyle Perkins and Rich Howe come back and join me for that. Until then, I hope you have a great holiday, Thanksgiving holiday with your family. Please enjoy it. Eat all the turkey. Have a good time. Watch some football. Do all those great holiday traditions that you do with your family. And we really appreciate your support here on the podcast. We will see you next week after Thanksgiving. Take care, everybody. This has been Catfish on Ice, episode 160.